0: This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day.
1: Alright, welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. Here again, Bob and Nick. How are you doing, Nick? How's everything?
0: Bob, I am good. This is a interesting time where you know, I think a lot in life sometimes we're go, 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 we're people on a mission. Um, and there are other times where it's rest, recovery, rejuvenation, and there's definitely a combination of both a yin and yang that fluctuates throughout life. And I'm definitely more in the recovery mode right now. We had the very last day of my last fellowship yesterday. So officially done oh, wow. with all that clinic work, um, kind of a big, big moment as you've had your other big moments throughout your, um, professional career as well. And just enjoying a rainy Saturday, uh, a rainy Saturday in California.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So, so you finished your second fellowship yesterday. Correct. And everything's complete. You're Nick Davis, a new person now. Is that right?
0: <laughs> same same person, same monster, same beast. Um, different roles, responsibilities, different things that I'll be uh, spending my time on. But yes, absolutely, Bob.
1: Okay, that's awesome, that's awesome. So right now you're I assume you're recovering from everything you, you just finished. But that's amazing.
0: I appreciate that. Now, tell me more about you. How have you been?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been going in terms of uh I started my fellowship. So it's nice. your, it's it's interesting cuz uh you were always in in PT school, you were a year above me, I think. Right? Yeah, a year above me. You're yep. When you were a sixth year, I was a fifth year. Uh, as you were finishing your residency, I was starting my residency. And as you're finishing your fellowship, well, your second one, I'm starting my fellowship, uh, which is which is kind of interesting because we, we both have this path of growth. kind of There's a similar path of growth for both of us, right? We come out of school, we do a residency, uh, then a fellowship, and then we go on from there. Who knows what's next for you? Um, and same thing for me, right? I come out of school, do my residency now, currently in the fellowship so it's interesting to kind of catch up with you and just kind of see oh we're still pretty much there's this distance of yeah you've you finished one thing as I'm starting this thing and, and it's nice to see in terms of how we're both progressing in that way
0: yeah there's certainly a lot of parallels to be drawn in while mine and yours have a slightly different flavor and focus professionally while they have a slightly different focus and flavor um, for our personal lives and what we're doing there too it's encouraging and good to see you finding a path of growth that you're finding what I'm assuming we'll get into this more, um, that you are continuing to find fulfilling and engaging for yourself and the way that you want to make a difference in the world, but giving you the tools to better do that for the people you want to impact.
1: Yeah. I I really enjoy um, treating patients. I mean, this is, it's it's really a, uh, last week I was on vacation. Uh, I was, I was at the beach in the caribbean for about a week uh oh, and fantastic. yeah i mean it was nice they got to relax take a week off of work but during my week there i was kind of checking so we we use epic which is the um yeah we do as system. well so with epic you can see your patients on your phone and you can see oh their chart how they how they are and all these different things so during my vacation, like uh, every couple of oh, days. Oh, no. Was-
0: you, you, were che- you were checking your phone on vacation like that, Bob? I
1: I actually made a pledge to myself to not use any Wi-Fi <laughs> during that whole trip, but that only lasted about three days. But uh, going back <laughs> to the story, um, I was, like, checking my phone because I was curious about different patients. I, my, basically, some of my patients were being treated by uh, my coworkers, and they do McKenzie as well, so they're kind of following the system. Uh, and I was curious. I was curious on a couple of patients, seeing, oh, how are they doing? What happened after the last week? When I saw them, was their progression correct? Was their regression correct? Is what we did? correct? Just reading their note, nothing, nothing too serious. I didn't call anybody or do anything, but it was just like, oh, I kind of, I kind of miss doing this. Uh, even all the way down and in the beach, sipping some uh, pina coladas, I was like, oh, I kind of miss, miss seeing some of these patients.
0: Um, You know, Bob, that talk um, reminds me, do you know who Jim Rohn is?
1: Jim Rohn. Yes, yes, the success guy.
0: Yeah, the success guy, like a lot of YouTube motivational stuff. Um, There's something about the way that he talks that I find so captivating and the way that he very specifically trails on with his words, the prose he uses, um, the way that he skillfully decides how to articulate his message in a way that's so compelling. But as you're telling me this story, I can't help but think about Jim Rohn saying, now when you're on the beach, you have to be at the beach. And when you're at work, you have to be at work. And Bob, if yeah. you haven't heard him say this, I, I want you to go back and for people listening to you, like go to Jim Rohn beach work. And it's, it, for me, it's beautiful the way that he articulates, and it. it's so funny because he talks about early in his life he was finding himself at work and daydreaming of the beach and time with his family. And then he'd be at the beach with his family and have his phone or books or whatever, and basically his briefcase, and doing work while at the beach. And what it led to was a separation where he was never fully present at one time. And he fooled himself into thinking he was being as productive, as efficient, or as recharging as he truly could be. So I don't want to say that that is you, Bob. What I – yeah, I, and it was, more, it was more just funny, and I think I have mixed feelings about that. One, that I think that's awesome for you that you're dedicated, you're motivated, you're, and it's a genuine curiosity, right? That's what fuels so much of what we do, that you have this genuine curiosity and hope for that things are going well, of course. For your patients. And then on the other hand, I'm thinking, well, whatever you read, is it going to make that much of a difference? So I'm curious for you, what was your emotions at the time? What was your kind of mental thought process about, okay, I'm going to read this for this purpose?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to uh, have the wrong impression. I, I wasn't really doing anything. I was just looking at the chart. <laughs> but it, it was mainly for it was just mean for, like you said, like raw curiosity. Like I, with some of these patients that can change pretty quickly, like if they have direction preference or something like that. Um, and you have an investment in these people, it's like, Oh, you want to see, okay, that they follow through. If you mm-hmm. kind of changed things up, uh, last week and you're like, Oh, I, I've never done that before. I'm curious what would have happened. Did, did it work? Did it not work? Um, did, did anything, Was anything different? Was it better? Was it worse? The same? So I was just, just curious in terms of kind of what what would happen with some of these patients. Now, again, it's not every patient, like not the patients mm-hmm. I've seen for the 20th time that's a post-op, but it's more of like, oh, these really interesting cases. So I, I think another way to, to put it, at least from my perspective, <clears throat> or, or how I kind of view it, is really uh, the aspects that I in work that I really enjoy, I don't really consider work. I consider that's part of myself and part of um, something I really enjoy. But you can say more like a like a joyous hobby that's actually a job, but only sport, some parts. So it's like, right. oh, it's kind of like, right, so, like so, reading a book. So then the
0: goal, like of course, becomes, you know, that's great that you're getting compensated for something that you find joy in. Now, let's say that a slice of the pie is – 40% of what you do is that thing that you find the joy with. Well, our goal is how can we make that 50%, 60 70 80% and be a bigger slice of that pie?
1: Ask, ask me that one more time, Nick.
0: Yep. So, I guess it was more of a rhetorical question and more of a statement that, you know, you're saying that you... I yeah, know, that was a... I need to do better at articulating this, Bob. So you're saying that, hey, this is just part of me. This is my part of my identity. This is just something I enjoy. It doesn't feel like work. And that's a great thing. And so what I was making a comment on is that we want more of our total time at work or more of our total time in life to be filled with those kind of things where it's just, no, I love this. This is great. Because ultimately, not any job, but many jobs will have some parts where it's like, you know what? That's not my favorite. So finding out how we can minimize those things and maximize those things that we truly find joy and fulfillment in.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, not like you said when you're on vacation, you should really kind of turn everything off. Uh, but I was just curious. It, it was it was either me reading a book about more financial stuff or uh, just kind of reading a quick note about somebody. So. I, I did both. <laughs> it's perfect. It, it was it was, a, it was relaxing. So so, so that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, where uh I really enjoyed my job, really uh enjoyed my coworkers, really a growth environment here. We're we're trying to set up some more continue education courses for our clinic and our department here. So I'm going through that process. So we have something more local uh at NYU. So that that's exciting right now. It's it's uh it's a process. So we're doing that. That's kind of where my focus is, as well as the fellowship.
0: Um, Now, Bob, I'm curious for your direct work environment um, and just your impression that how many other coworkers are at your job?
1: We have, let me see, one, two, three, four. We have six other (laughs) clinicians here. So so not not a really big clinic. Um,
0: Okay. And how – how many of those do you feel like maybe not as aggressively as you, but how many of those do you feel like are on a pathway of continual growth in some way shape or form?
1: I'd say ninety percent of them nice yeah so so five out of six how about that
0: there, there you go a little, um, bit, little bit under ninety percent that's fantastic
1: yeah yeah so so majority of them um i they're everybody's trying to seek some growth here. In terms of, okay, how can they advance their career, or how can they just help the next patient? Um, yeah, and, and I think that's just a fantastic environment to be in. Well, so, and
0: that makes such a difference too, because you know you could certainly do all have all the growth and have everything that you're pursuing, and still apply that for the clinic, for the patients you see, and really it not be all that different. But if you were one, like the only one, or if you were one of two people that are pursuing that kind of growth, I'm sure the environment day to day built up after weeks and months would just feel different for you.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to make a statement. I don't know if I know if it's true or not, or if I believe it or not, <laughs> but I feel okay. like, um, like having growth is a path. It's kind of lonely unless you, you have some people around you to do it. with. And, and I think if you have people to grow with, uh, it just makes the whole experience more interesting, more fun, and more fulfilling.
0: Like tell, part tell of me, tell me more this, tell me more about that, I'm really curious,
1: well, yeah, part of me doing these podcasts with you is is hearing one how you grow, and two, just listening to myself talk to talk through the microphones, like, oh yeah, I'm also growing as well, and it's, and, and it's I think having this this podcast or this form to talk about this it just makes everything just more, much more exciting we started this with being the accountability partner, but it really turned out to be okay, let's. We're accountable to each other, but but let's also talk to each other about what's kinda of happening in our lives, what's how we're making progress, career rise. Um and I think having this makes everything so much fun. I, I think um growing with fellow clinicians or colleagues just makes the whole thing a little bit more entertaining.
0: And Bob, maybe I'm going off on a side tangent here like well, like I always do. But the word that came to my mind when you were talking about that was the word celebration. And oftentimes we use the phrase celebration of life for a funeral or for someone when someone's passed. But why can't we have a mini, not a true funeral celebration or procession or anything, but why can't we have these mini celebrations of life, like a funeral thing? Like, let me remember this last year. Let me remember these last six months and have that throughout life so much. Because when I hear us talking when this started out accountability, the accountability was almost like it started out, okay, I've got some bad habits. How do I do less bad habits? And then it turned to, well, I've got some good habits. How do I promote good habits and how do I promote more good or more better habits? And then it turned into, Hey, we're doing, we're doing pretty good. Like let's, let's enjoy, let's celebrate, let's bring another social environment into these things that we already enjoy. And, just appreciating the perspective. And through that process, we still have those reminders like, you know what? Hey, man, I'm struggling in this. I could use some accountability with this thing. But that's the cool thing is we start to celebrate the successes, the joys, the triumphs, uh, and the challenges. Those, The accountability for, eh, I should probably do less of this, it becomes less needed because, at least for me, that seems so much more automatic. It's like the preface of me jumping on a call with Bob Chang is, all right, Nick, how was your last month? How was your last two months? Um, I'm sure it wasn't perfect, it's not like it's definitely not perfect for me, but were you doing things in your personal, professional life in all different facets of that that you would be proud of that you can share with your friends? Um, not in a gloating way, but in a way that you can be proud of the effort and time you put in.
1: You know, I love I love what you just said, Nick, in terms of the the word celebration come to your mind because at least for my for me in terms of our goal is to to do x or to do y a- and sometimes i may become so obsessed with the process that um mm-hmm. instead of having my goal of being x my my goal is actually just staying on the track of being and working yeah. towards a goal rather than aiming for x celebrating does that make sense Nick in terms of it, it, that the i
0: can and Tell me more about your your thought with that because I can see that one of two ways, Bob. I can see that as, hey, my goal, my, my target is on the process. And someone who is process-oriented and focused, in many ways, it's almost like not giving them a ceiling. It's like, okay, let's see where this can go. Let me do as good as I can. Let me, like almost like a Kobe Bryant mentality, let me focus on the grind of this in a very positive way. Or people can see the process and, like, not worrying about the overall goal is like, all right, it's kind of monotonous, da-da-da-da-da. i am curious what your intention was with that, because I can see it both being a really positive thing when it's yeah. fun, right? Which is my interpretation, or it can be a little bit mundane.
1: No, I I think it's more of um, like we're aiming for this process. And I remember when we, were, when we were both physical therapy students, another side story. I don't know if you remember this, Nick. Uh, we had um, a New York City student – Conference where there were different speakers that came to. I think it was Hunter College in New York City. Yes, yes, it was. Yep. And we drove there. I think there's a podcast on this the, a while back. Um, we drove. I think from Ithaca. Was it? I don't know. Either I think it was me and you. We drove to my mom's yep. house. It, slept it's my, down to Queens. In my attic. Yep. yep. You slept in my mom's attic.
0: You had a surprisingly comfortable attic.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we had sushi buffet. It was. I thought it was a good sushi place. Um, it was a great you, you sushi gave place. It a, your, yeah. your mom
0: made, made me um, have some bamboo wine, which is incredibly strong.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we went to this conference, and one of the keynote speakers, I, I forgot who the keynote speaker was, but the one thing she or he said was make sure you s- slow down and smell the roses. And I think that's kind of where this, this whole topic – at least for me is, is coming from of okay sometimes I get too obsessed with the goal of okay I need to do X, Y, and Z
0: oh, yeah
1: and I don't kind of slow down to kind of enjoy and celebrate the process like you're saying and my goal becomes okay let's keep on going rather yeah. than the goal. Gotcha. It, so, it's,
0: you're you're uh, seeing the roses but can you fully be there and appreciate them and smell them and take everything in and I think what I'm getting out of that too Bob is and this is may be self-evident for many, many people, but I think there's a deep power in this that when you take the time, when you stop and you actually smell the roses, there is so much, it's almost like a good cologne, right, or good perfume. There are different <clears throat> layers to it. There's so many different layers to the smell of a rose, and within that smell of a rose is celebration, is accomplishment, <clears throat> is goals, is passion, is hard work, and accountability is part of that smell. So when you're, smelling the roses it's not like it's one or the other it's not just like giving it up the rose has the different flavors of taste of fulfillment we just have to be ready to appreciate that
1: yeah no that was good I, I really like that I, that was a, an interesting I don't know how we got to this subject but I, <laughs> I, I thought it was great um, yeah is there anything else you want to talk about from that Nick
0: It's a great question no, I think I think we just stop and smell the roses. Um, yeah, I don't have yeah. a, I don't have another thing to add for that. That seemed to culminate in a a great, fantastic way. But I, I am yeah. curious to hear more about the start of the fellowship, how long you've been in it, um, what the process is like for the months or potentially years ahead in that program.
1: Yeah, so, so uh, I mean, on the topic of of kind of stopping and smelling the roses, I'll kind of um, share you where I'm at. Just kind of goal-wise, aren't? I mean, one of my goals is I, I really enjoy the the Mackenzie method. One of my eventual goals is hopefully to be able to, to teach and teach some of the courses. But that's still like a five, six, seven, eight-year journey that I'm going on. But I'm trying to enjoy the process along the way, and, and thus kind of spell the roses. So how I've been going through this process is I've been trying to assist on different courses so I can get understand how. Um, different instructors teach how instructors teach how instructors handle the crowd. And my most recent course, I was in Connecticut um, about a month ago. I was, it was part of it was a cervical course with one of the instructors there. And the first hour, or, or during the course, I basically wanted to count how many stories, or just anecdotes, or whatever the, the instructor would talk about or share. So in the first yeah. hour, I, w- I just started counting the story because the lecture-wise I've heard at least eight or nine different times. So it's, it's, it's Bob, this, was a, this was
0: an instructor you have not worked with before, correct?
1: No, this this was an instructor I've, I've worked with before. So I've okay. heard all his stories. I've Well, most of his stories. I've heard most of his um, lecture. And I decided just to count kind of how many stories he he would tell in the first hour. So I counted 10 different stories, 10 different anecdotes, 10 different short snippets of just patient examples, cases with Robin McKenzie, cases uh, that he's seen, uh, just examples he gives in his life. And I was like, wow, for, for these instructors are really good at telling these stories. And again, the, these stories I've heard, many different times. So I assume everybody has their kind of arsenal of stories. So I was thinking to myself as, as, as I'm on this process to, to hopefully one day become faculty is I should probably think about the stories that I have currently that I could tell and share and, um, and use eventually if I teach. So to build off of that, I've Still been doing Toastmasters. I don't know if you remember Toastmasters, which is basically.
0: I've never never done it myself, but I remember you being involved with that. And um, well, honestly, you are
1: involved with that. Yep, so I'm still involved with that. And I was thinking to myself, okay, a way to, I guess, better make use of Toastmasters. I mean, one is to practice public speaking, but also, why don't I just start crafting my stories within uh, Toastmasters? So then I can, over the years, I would build up maybe five, six, seven, ten, twenty, thirty different stories that I can eventually use. And that's what I did today. Right before I call I had a Toastmasters meeting. Uh, I presented my speech. It went well and I got the feedback. Um and, and here I am. I, I I think that was my first story that I crafted specifically for this and then it's it's quite enjoyable and something that I really enjoy doing. I enjoy telling the story. There's some stumbling blocks here and there, but, you know, I have one. And that's kind of where I'm at right now with that.
0: Bob, I I absolutely love that. And I love that because it's combining your passions, it's combining your desires for growth. It's combining things that you care about, combining where you want to go in the future. Um, And it's really bringing everything together in a way that, you know, for certainly myself and you, first told me that you started Toastmasters, I didn't foresee you utilizing it in that way and you probably didn't when you first started either. It's probably more of a confidence thing at first or a public speaking thing at first, which I shouldn't say just is extremely powerful by itself too, but to integrate it in that kind of way to be impactful for your current life and future life is a fantastic way to set yourself up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is physical therapy related, so I, I don't really know. Do you, do you want to hear the story, Nick?
0: Bob, don't ask stupid questions. Come on, man. Let's hear it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's five, I mean, the prompt is, uh, it's a five to seven minute speech. And today's prompt was to kind of use some humor. Uh, so I decided to talk about my first day. Well, let, let me just go go into the story. How about that? Uh, so the, the title of the speech, it's called The Silver Bullet. So The Silver Bullet. So last year, uh, 2022, I was down in Austin, Texas, and I was getting ready to do my diploma program, which is basically a nine-week one-on-one program with uh, basically a, a guru named Scott. Okay, I was traveling down all the way from New York City to Austin, to get this mentorship, and for those of you don't, who don't know Scott, Scott is basically one of an international faculty that teaches for the McKenzie Institute. He, is, he trains people uh, and fixes people with back and neck pain. And whenever I would learn from Scott, whenever I would see him on courses or, or, or read about him, when patients would come on courses and he would, he would treat them, it was like he was a—it was like he was a magic man. He would kind of fix these people up just like that. And I thought to myself, okay, my goal in these next nine weeks down in Austin was to learn what he had. I wanted to learn his silver bullet. I wanted to learn that magic handshake that I knew that he would do it with every single patient that he would just magically fix and they would all feel better. So it was my first time meeting Scott. Uh, basically how the layout of the the, the program would work was we would have a full day of patients. I would evaluate the patient. I would treat the patient while Scott was just sitting right behind me, watching me like a hawk. And this is my first evaluation. Comes on in, a guy with low back pain. And I start asking him questions throughout the history. And at this point I, I was nervous. I had a bead of sweat just kind of dripping down my face. And the more I started asking questions, the more nervous I got. And when I'm nervous, what would happen is I would start talking quicker and quicker and quicker. So my words just started kind of fumbling and, and shaking and uh, bouncing off of each other. Another thing I did when I get nervous is I would start moving closer and closer to the patient. Uh, so at the, by the end of the evaluation, my face was pretty much a foot away from the patient's face. So I was talking fast. I was sweating. I was super close with the patient. I was definitely not making a good first impression with Scott. But I finished the history, and I laid the patient down to just start doing some exercises, just to start get them going. So the first exercise we just take a look at is the press up. A press up, for those of you who don't know, is is a it's kind of like the cobra movement or downward dog. Uh, they lay under stomach push up with their arms, they strain out their arms, and there should be kind of like a curve in their back. Now, this patient had probably the world's ugliest press-up form in the world. Normally, there's a curve. The man was pretty much straight, like stiff as a board, nothing. nothing, Basically, you couldn't even see a dent. It was just a straight line. You could kind of put a cup there, and it would probably stand there. The more he did, the more he did these exercises, he was actually feeling worse and worse and worse. And as he was feeling worse and worse and worse, I was getting more and more nervous. <laughs> I was, again, talking quicker, sweating a little bit more, um, getting closer to him to the point because I, I was like all over him. I was like, okay, are you sure this is this is not making you feel better or, or, or what's happening here? And the patient looked at me. He was like, oh, are you sure you know what you're doing and at that point, I, I just gave up. I, I looked towards Scott. I was like, hey, I, I don't think uh, I'm making any headway with this patient. Do you think you can take a look and, and help me out? So Scott goes over. And in the back of my mind, as I step back, I'm like, okay, this is this is my chance. This is my chance to look at his silver bullet. And I get to kind of look a peek over his shoulder and see the magic handshake he's going to do to kind of fix this patient. Because I knew I just screwed everything up. So Scott goes on over, and to my surprise, he's like, okay, you keep on doing. He basically had the patient do the exact same exercise, exact same press-up. But this time, he was more focused on form. He was making sure that the patient was relaxing. He was making sure that there were aspects of centralization happening. And to my surprise... The patient actually felt better. The more he did, he actually felt better, and the patient walked out of the clinic so much improved, so much better, feeling so much better. So at the end, Scott sat me down, and he wanted to give me some feedback, and which is typically what happens. He sits me down on a rolling chair, a rolling stool, and he goes to pull up his stool to kind of sit down and give me some feedback, and as he was pulling over his stool, I was thinking to myself, okay, the, the feedback probably is going to be, Bob, stop focusing on a silver bullet here. Stop focusing on that magic rabbit out of the hat trick that's going to fix everybody, but instead really focus on the basics, the, the PT 101, what you learned in part A through E. Just try not to overthink it. So as Scott kind of rolls poot to me, he sits down and then he scoots all the way forward to my face and he and I think he's going to stop and just talk, stop talk and start talking to me, but he, his face just keeps on coming to the point where there's about 1 inch away from my face and his face. And Scott was like, "Bob, you don't need to get close this close to the patient." and that's my speech. <laughs> so, a bit of, bits of humor, uh bit bits of uh changing realizing okay, it's it's uh, we want to be masters at the foundation and there's no one trick that can do can fix everybody and sure you know this. Uh, but but I think that's kind of the essence of the story there. What do you think, Nick? Give me some feedback. How can I improve that?
0: All right, Bob. Um first of all, I I don't think there's a Bob Chang humor story that I don't, that I don't appreciate whether you're trying to be humorous or whether you're not trying to be humorous. Um, I've definitely always appreciate your little bit of banter, your way of um, your, your humble sense of humor um, that can be directed towards yourself at times, but that's okay. Now I'm for this, I'm not going to focus on the actual content delivery as much because that's seems to me less of the intention, right? It, the intention isn't always the message, but it's the communication of the message, at least with Toastmasters. And please jump and correct me as soon as I'm wrong, I'm sure I will be. What I enjoyed about your story, and again, I'm, I'm curious, for this assignment, Bob, was there a time limit or a time target with this? Five minutes. Fine. Okay, perfect. So I think for that five minutes, you did a really nice job. Leading up, leading up, building anticipation, giving background, giving context for what was going on. There were. So I think I what I appreciated was the build up. I appreciated setting the stage. I appreciated almost the way you interacted with the audience and talked about. Well, this is Scott, and for those of you who don't know Scott, like very that's a very engaging thing to open with. Where, and of course you could say, Hey, this is Scott. This is that. This is that, and uh, talk in a very narrative voice. Um, but it doesn't engage to quite the same depth. So I'm glad that you're able to bring that depth back into your speaking. I think the piece of criticism I challenge you to work on is, unless it was intentional, there are a lot of filler words in there. There was a lot of, um, and sort of, now if your desire was to convey at the time, like when you were talking about, oh, I'm nervous, and I talk so much, and get close, and I do all this, you did a really good job when you were storytelling about talking fast and intentionally bringing up the rate of your, speak, of your speech and communicating that through the story and having some better um it just make it come to life. I would say that the filler words such as um, or sort of or kind of and less intentional to communicate your nervousness at that particular part of the story of then appearing more confident and sound later to provide some juxtaposition, unless that was intentional, trying to decrease some of those filler words and potentially being a little bit more comfortable with a pause or with a moment of silence.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Nick. Um, uh, you are, believe it or not, Nick, I, I still get nervous when I hop on a podcast and talk to you. Uh, so, so that may be why. Um, okay, and, and tell, me,
0: tell, me, tell me in what way, Bob, because um, I would say I definitely used to a little bit and especially as you had encouraged me to start my own solo podcast. There was this transition for me where it's like, okay, cool, I'm having a conversation versus like, oh, wow, I'm talking to myself, to an audience. This is very different. So when I talk to you, I talk to you, but with a external audience in mind. But then when I started doing it with just myself, that was a very different kind of feeling. But I'm curious, Bob. Tell me more about um, what's behind that nervousness or what part you get nervous about.
1: Oh, well, well you're, you're Nick the man.
0: Uh, <laughs> so actually, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that, Bob. We've been friends for a long time. Is it that yeah. you're more nervous around me or more nervous about what people listening to, and first of all, I appreciate the humility. what people listening to the podcast are going to think and impression of you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, not the second one. I mean, I I respect you, Nick. I mean, I don't want to – part of me doesn't want to disappoint you when we talk on these podcasts. So I think that's where really that that nervousness comes from. I mean, that's – In terms of – Go ahead. Don't let me interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, in terms of the audience (coughs) – not really on my mind and, uh, when I, when we hop on these calls, it just I think it's just a friend talking to a friend uh which it, is something we record and just kind of push my mind so yeah uh,
0: that's really first of all, I appreciate hum- your humility and honesty that's really interesting to me, where I had never actually thought that to be a case or dynamic with us before, um so I appreciate you being willing to share that. I would say that in some way, shape, and form has a tiny little taste of something, almost like you're playing a basketball game. And you're there, and there's a crowd of 50,000 people as you step on the court. There's a heightened excitement. There's a level of this has importance to it, which is very different than you're playing pickup in the park with three three people pretty casually. This has an air of significance to it. And as you step on that court, if that air of significance helps you Rise to the moment, rise to the occasion to deliver, and say, hey, this has importance behind it. Let me perform. Let me perform well for the people who saved up their money to pay $150 for a ticket to come see me play. That's phenomenal. If, on the other hand, you're hitting a game-winning free throw, and as you step up to the line, you get anxious and nervous, and you get way more anxious and nervous for that game-winning free throw than you would have if it was the same exact free throw in the first or second quarter. It's literally the same shot. It is the exact same shot. You step to the free throw line. You do whatever the routine is for you, whether it's a couple dribbles. You send the ball backwards with a spin. Whatever your pregame routine is, your pre-free throw routine. You look wherever your eyes line up for your visual target, where you're used to lining up, and you shoot the ball, as you've probably done a thousand times by that point, if not way more. It, the shot should be no different, yet it probably is. And if that feels so different that it hinders your performance, then that's a negative thing. If it stays at least the same or there's something about a significance of the moment that helps you, then that's a positive thing. So, Bob, for you, if the little bit of it, excitement or – and I'm using the word excitement on purpose – Um, Because we can replace excitement from anxious because they're a similar type of energy. They have different connotations. So if the energy is excitement and if it helps you prepare for a moment and it's not self-deprecating, because I think that's really important to not be down on ourselves, I think that's a phenomenal thing. I think if it's the other way where it's like, hey, man, I'm hitting the game-winning free throw and my face gets closer and closer to the phone as if it was a patient there and I'm getting nervous, and I'm getting distracted by the crowd, you know, waving behind me and saying all these chants and crazy things, and I missed the free throw because of that, then I think that's not so positive. And not, we don't need to get into it now necessarily, but I would highly encourage you to think of as just like hitting a free throw. And maybe that's a poor analogy with you not playing basketball. Um,
1: yeah, but, but I think, you know, I, I get it. It's very good. <laughs> okay. Fantastic analogy, Thanks.
0: And, and, Bob, end of the day, dude, I'm just another player on the court. There's, I, I'm going to say that there's nothing special about me in the way that there's nothing special about anyone, in the way that there's something special about everyone. And I hope that wasn't misconstrued, is that it's not saying that you and I aren't significant, but we're no more or less significant than anyone else or human at the end of the day. Um, and I've got a whole host of my imperfections. You do too, and everybody I know is, knows do they? They do have them, and that's okay, and that's normal, and that's great.
1: Yeah, no. I, I thanks thanks for that uh piece there. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that, Nick.
0: So, if it's a performance enhancement, and it's not detrimental, by all means, keep riding it out. But likely, with anything, there are elements of both the getting down on ourselves and elements of rising to performance in both of them. We have to learn how to separate. I do too. I have to learn how to separate what is this helpful, when is it not helpful.
1: Yeah. yeah. that that's definitely a good point. And I appreciate your feedback on the filler words uh, because it's something I need to work on for sure.
0: And I, I, I appreciate the story and the buildup. I really enjoyed how – because it sounds like he was intentional – that you were describing your voice was getting louder, your voice was getting um there less space between words, as you talked about you getting closer to the patient as your nervousness, the type, the way you delivered it changed, and I really appreciate how you adjusted to convey the communication through an emotional way, especially when we can't physically see you, but I'm sure that there are different hand gestures and different body postures moving as you were telling the story,
1: yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I definitely appreciate the feedback and uh, uh, the words of wisdom, Nick, and it's always a pleasure talking and, and learning from you whenever we get up on these podcasts.
0: Well, that, that's mutual for me, Bob. It, um, you know, these things help me with self-reflection. They help me understand a point of view from someone else. And when you and I have these semi-infrequent but important, or at least they're important for me, important touch points, In our lives, it's a reflection of what we've done, what we're working on, what we're going to try to achieve. And I think it's a really great way of highlighting what's important for us at this time, like where we're trying to go in life. Um, As my old um, English teacher in 12th grade, um, yes, I did pay attention back in that class. He would used to say, these are some of the three most important questions you can ask yourself and which has actually turned out to be great in reflecting for getting ready to go into college and getting on with our professional career, he say the questions you have to ask yourself are who are you, where are you going, and how are you going to get there? And in many ways, this podcast, for me at least, is a reflection of trying to answer those questions and sharing the answers to those questions.
1: And that is fantastic. Wow, Nick, I think that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I also think that's a good place to to put a pin in this. I mean, this is uh, quite an episode. I mean, I didn't know what we were going to talk about when we called each other, but this was fantastic.
0: I I rarely do as well, Bob, and um, I thank you for the timing for this, where it could be right after your Toastmasters once you to give so much time in the day, and another for that to be so salient and current on your mind. And I think that added really good fuel and conversation. And I'm definitely leaving this 45 minutes of conversation a better person than when I entered. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Nick, it was always a pleasure. Until next time, whoever knows, whoever knows when it's going to be. Uh, but it will happen. One of us will kind of reach out to each other and <laughs> just make it happen.
0: All right, Bob Chang. Be well, my friend.
1: All right. Take care, Nick. Good to interview. Bye-bye.